Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. You know, we want to we want to make sure that as we're launching into this new year and as we're we've got these dreams on our heart, we're looking at what's happening, what's God saying, coupled with all the stuff that we're going through. And people are going through some stuff. People's kids are crazy. People doing things. People's parents are hurting, losing family members and sickness and all that stuff. You know, and sometimes it's it it gets heavy. Really, really heavy. But thank God we know that that's not God's will. That that's not God orchestrating heaviness to teach you something. To bring you to a place where He needs you to be. Because you're already where you need to be and that's in Christ. He's got nothing else for you. There's nothing else that you need to be for God rather than in faith toward Him. Yes, Christ in me. So then there's this paradox, though, of only doing what He leads us to do and only saying what He's leading us to say. And that, you know, that's when the religion gets strapped on because it's like, oh, now I've got to only do what you're telling me to do? Well, what am I supposed to do? And then we get on this hamster wheel of trying to figure out what God wants us to do. And I say, stop it. <laughs> because it's not about the doing. It's about knowing where you are, knowing who you are, knowing how He sees you, and not judging your life, not judging yourself, and, and judging that you come up short. Not looking at the future and it's stressing out your right now because you think you lack something that needs to happen and come into your life. See, our, our identity has to come from who Christ is in us and who we are in Him and what He's done for us. That's who we are. What we do is then what God leads us in this earth for the benefit of other people. You're not made complete because you do what God asks you to do. You're made complete because Christ is in you. He is your completeness. In Him you are complete. That's it. I mean, that's really about all we need to learn. Then we just come in here and worship and enjoy each other and have family and, you know. But from that, we do want to take these deep passions in our heart and put them out and give them to God and watch what He does so that He would be glorified. But all truth kind of rests in the paradox. So we want to do these things, but yet from a place of rest. You know, we want to labor to enter into the rest. All the laboring that we do is the preparation of our mind, the preparation of our heart, so that we're, we're not... Who we think we are doesn't change by what we achieve or don't achieve. You know, who we, how we see ourselves doesn't change because of what we can't get to work in our lives. It's a Christ consciousness. It's a, it's a focus on the finished work. And when you are in that place, when that's your abiding sense of identity, man, it, it's, it produces confidence, doesn't it? I mean, it put, just puts you in that place where it's like, this is my daddy. He loves me. I don't care. Now, some people take that to permissiveness. Some people in their, 
immaturity take that freedom and slide off the scale and, you know, think that sin is okay and this is a license to sin and all that stuff. You know what? Those people are, they're going to do that anyway. But for those who are really ready, and when I say ready, I mean in your heart, you've given up trying to perform for God's acceptance and you've received the truth of the finished work of Christ. It's like, you know, you, you want to walk these things out. You want to see God use you. You want to see God get glory because of what you're doing. I mean, I do. Don't you? So I just want to talk a little bit about grace. You know, grace, grace is more than a doctrine. I mean, it's, it's good to know the doctrine. It's good to know you're saved by grace through faith. It's good to know that the process of sanctification and redemption and being made righteous is all wrapped up in the blood of Jesus having taken your sin, become your sin, passed into the grave, defeated death, defeated the enemy, rose with his own blood, having removed sin from the world so that God's not holding. It's not what God looks at you to find. God looks at you to find whether or not you're righteous, whether or not Christ is in you, not whether or not sin is in you because he's removed it. So what he's, what he's looking for is, is Jesus in you. And if he is... Then he starts breathing on that. He starts strengthening that. He starts teaching you from that place. And, and if you hang around with sin, then, then that just, you know, that's the spirit of stupid. <laughs> Not the spirit of Christ. But we want to live these reflective holy lifestyles so that we're, our heart is confident. We're in this place of grace. We're in this place of living with God that is grace. So grace is more than just doctrine. If you really start looking at all the different areas where it talks about how the Holy Spirit works with us and lives within us and leads us and guides us, it's more of a way of living. It's a lifestyle than it is just some information. The lifestyle of grace is this, because you are in the new covenant, because you are raised with Christ, then the Spirit of God now works in you and through you to strengthen your inner man, to lead you and guide you into all truth, tell you what God is saying, remind you what God has said, show you things to come, lead, you know, as you go, His favor goes before you, and He's given you all these promises in the path. And so the way of grace is, I'm submitting to this process of being led by God, walking in this earth, being strengthened in the inner man. It's more than just, okay, that's the information of how I got saved. I want to live in this lifestyle of being yielded to God where I'm led by Him and what He wants in my life is being manifested into my life. That's the way of grace. And Jesus is that way. Jesus is the wisdom. If we ever get lost on that path, we can just look to Him. And He puts us in that way. So there's two ways to live in Christianity. Once you're made righteous, you've said yes to Christ, you've received that spirit, which is the same thing. I don't think it's two different things. You can live one of two ways, in grace or in your own strength. The way of grace is submitted to the truth, believing the truth, confident toward Him, and then this process of just being led by God. And, and, and seeing the blessing and the, and, and the kingdom established in your life and watching that kingdom increase because you just 
from the heart, you're following God. Now, that's where religion likes to jump in and tries to teach you how to do that. And you can't really do that. It's relationship. You will follow God to the degree that your heart is confident toward Him. You'll follow God naturally and effortlessly to the degree that you are convinced that He loves you. If you have areas where you're struggling connecting to His love for you, those are the areas you're going to have trouble hearing and following God. Somebody said, well, that's every area of my life. <laughs> Maybe. But where's the one area that you can start getting some traction to experience His love for you? Maybe it's just that. I'm going to heaven one day. And you start there, right? And you meditate on Then it grows and it increases. And then, you know, you just develop this relationship with Him. But I want to show you just some kind of practical things about what confidence really is. Flip over to uh, 1 John chapter 3. I love this passage because it's, it's simple yet extremely profound. It's, it really is a kind of, a, kind of a, a, an, an example of living in grace. An example of living in this place of, it's not about the external, but it's about the internal. So, 1 John chapter 3. Verse 19, <clears throat> here's how we know that we're of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. So what does that mean? Verse 19, assuring our hearts before him is, that's, that's our responsibility. That's what Christianity is now. It's a response to what he's done and us assuring our hearts of who he is. Does that make sense? It's you taking the time to discipline your mind, your heart, your resources, your time, your emotions, your feelings, your focus, your time, whatever it is, so that you are persuading yourself of God's love for you. You're persuading yourself of the truth. Now, you persuading yourself is not what makes it true or is not what gets it to work. It's just bringing it into alignment so that this heart that you've been given starts to naturally walk this stuff out. Now, <clears throat> so here's how you know you're of the truth, and you can persuade your heart before Him. If your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart and knows all things. So your heart is where you believe. So with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. So we know that the heart is the, the seat of our being. It's where our beliefs Reside. It's where our beliefs abide. And you will do in your life, your choices, your emotions, your feelings are all going to be a product of what you really believe in your heart. You want to know what you believe? Look at your decisions. Even the ones where you say, I'm going to do this, but then you do that. And quit blaming the devil. It's you. <laughs> you made that choice. Now, he might be in there trying to influence you. But you don't have to listen. You know, long term, over the long haul, in your life, you are doing what you believe in your heart. You are choosing, you are feeling, you are seeing the world based on what's in there. What's going on inside of there? Now, based on what's in there, what you believe. Now, remember, you've, give, you've been given a new heart as a believer. And it has the law in it. It has God's best way of living in this life, already encoded in it. 
Does that make sense? Like when I think about the law, that's what I think about. The law is not necessarily, see, because God knew that the law couldn't get you righteous anyway. The law was for blessing. The law was, if you will live this way, it will produce life and blessing. Now for them under that covenant, it was their righteousness. For us, it's not. Jesus is our righteousness. The law is just, God knows how this place works, and He knows the best way to live within it, and He's put that within you. You know the best way to live naturally in this earth. You don't have to figure stuff out. We just have to stop doubting ourselves, stop living in fear, and the kind of being that you are knows how to walk in success with God in this earth. It just does. But when we believe different things than what the truth really is, our heart condemns us. Now, externally, staying in sin, all that kind of stuff, that obviously produces guilt, condemnation. That's your heart condemning you. You know, it's like, I'm righteous. Oh, yeah? Don't you remember what happened last week? Oh, yeah? Don't you remember how you... Blah, 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 blah? So your heart will condemn you. Your heart will rise up and speak against you. You don't need the enemy speaking to you. You are your own worst enemy in some areas where you feel guilt and condemnation. That's the process of your heart condemning you. And it happens on a level that you don't even intellectualize. It's not even conscious for you. It just rises up. So because of this, we're in this natural life of what the Bible calls binding and loosing. We do this thing kind of at a subconscious level of binding and loosing. Binding and loosing is allowing and disallowing. It's not so much you tying up the devil and shouting at him and throwing him into the abyss and he keeps getting out and you got to keep throwing him back in there. And you know, you, you, get him, you tie him up, you bind him on one and loose him on the other. Binding and loosing is allowing or disallowing in our lives. Now, we have the keys, because Christ does, Christ is in us, He gives them to us, we have the keys to the kingdom. We have the authority to allow or disallow what's in heaven. But it's not so much that we need to jump out and make a prayer, I'm going to bind this and I'm going to loose this, or God, I'm going to loose this in this room today. Okay, well, that might happen, and that's okay. But day by day, moment by moment, choice by choice, decision by decision, emotion by emotion, your heart is binding and loosing based on what you believe about yourself, based on your judgment of your performance, based on who you think God is. The quality and condition of your life is in this constant process of what you're allowing and disallowing as you live. It just naturally happens. You don't even think about it. Good news for some, bad news for some, but here's the thing. Verse 21. Uh, verse 20. For if our heart condemn, condemn us, God is bigger than our heart. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. So the good news is it really doesn't matter what you have in your heart. You can at any moment turn toward God and He knows everything, good and bad, warts and all. And He can lead you immediately out of that place that you're in. How? It has to do with confidence. Let's keep going. So, 
Verse 21, watch, watch this. So, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. I think, man, that, 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 if we really want to work on anything, it's not how to do miracles. It's not how to hear the voice of God necessarily. It's not how to learn something to do this thing called Christianity. If we, if we want to do anything, it's work on our minds and hearts to the place that we're at confidence toward Him. You know, I, I, would, I would put you on this path of being aware of yourself. Where are you confident toward Him and where are you not? Now, the areas that you're confident toward Him are the areas that you're convinced that He loves you. See, because when you know and experience the love of God, even if it's in a place where you lack or fail, it's not between you and Him. Even if it's a difficulty, a repetitive difficulty in your life, but you don't let it define you and you can still experience God's love, it's not going to be condemning to you, even though it might be destructive in your life. I'm trying to say this where it, there are areas in your life where you're confident toward Him regardless of the external behaviors and conditions. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. We all have these levels of allowing and disallowing and what we think is good for us and bad for us. And, you know, some people, the line is, <laughs> I mean, it moves a lot. Some people can just jump right on into sin and have not one sense of guilt about it. Now, that may be because their heart is hard <laughs> and they're not feeling that prompting. That's a whole other ballgame. But I'm talking about these areas where your identity is not changed by your behavior in these areas because you know God loves you. Does that make sense? So back to this thing about confidence and your heart not condemning you. When, verse 21, Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God. Now watch the fruit of confidence toward God, verse 22. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him. When your heart is confident toward Him, whatever you ask, you receive. What? Really? Now let's just finish this and then I'll kind of... So because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, see there, it's about you got to keep the commandments. Well, keep going. Verse 23. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And He that keeps His commandments dwells in Him, and He in Him. And hereby we know that He abides in us by the Spirit which He has given us. So, the way you have confidence toward God is you keep His commandments. His commandments are love other people and believe on His name. But it's not keeping the commandment of loving people and believing on His name that then makes God release the blessing for you. Because we're talking about having confidence toward Him and receiving what you ask for. And it's based on whether or not you're keeping these commandments, having faith toward Him, believing on His name, and loving other people. So, if you look at it from a New Covenant perspective, you're not keeping the law and then getting something from God. What you're doing is affecting your heart and influencing your own heart. And the way that you do that is you walk in love toward people and you believe on the name of the Son. 
Does that make sense? So when you are walking in love toward people and you are believing on his name, what's his name? Jesus has the same name as the Father. Name means authority. It's not like, hey, my name's Jesus. You know, it's what that means. It's what's behind it, what he has the rights to, what he owns, what he has authority. His power is wrapped up in his name. So the name of Jesus Christ is the same as the Father because He has inherited all things. Believing on the name, the authority, the integrity behind the, who Jesus is, is believing that He's my Redeemer. He's my Provider. He's my Deliverer. He's the one who is with me. He is my wisdom. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on what He is for us. So what you are commanded to do is walk in love toward people and believe that God is who He says He is. Think about that. When you do that, your heart is confident toward Him, and this says, whatever you ask, you receive. Yeah, but what about... Yeah, but what about... Do you, know, do you hear those questions immediately? Because what we're saying is, when your heart's confident toward Him, you receive everything that you ask for. There's no conditions on this. He's not talking about the conditions to do this to get. He's talking about the only condition is, is whether or not your heart is confident toward Him. And to make sure that your heart stays confident toward Him is that you're walking in love toward people, and you're believing that He is who He says that He is. You're commanded to believe that God is your healer. It's, it's more than just a promise. God takes this very seriously that we receive who He has revealed Himself to be. Do you see that? It is the will of God that you ask and receive what you ask for. Think about that. It is the will of God to ask and receive. That's how He wants to live with you. That's, that's how He wants to relate to you. It sounds a lot like what Jesus said, all things are possible to those who believe. You know, several areas he says that whatsoever believe, when you pray, if you believe, you will receive. <clears throat> he says, whatever you ask, I will do. Whatever you ask in my name, my Father will do. Whatever you say will come to pass. I mean, it's like they're just all involved to bring about the, what you're experiencing in relationship with Him. But it all hinges on your confidence toward Him. And your confidence can be shaken by your doubt. Huh? Circumstances. Circumstances. Absolutely. Circumstances. Sometimes we pray and then wait to see the answer before we believe. 
instead of praying right. and expecting something yeah. to happen. Yeah, we pray from doubt mm -hmm. than confidence. What she said is that we pray and wait for it to happen. But it's like, it's, you know, it's like if you're praying from doubt, it's, it's a crapshoot. Maybe. If you're praying from fear, you probably will not see how God wants to bring the answer into your life. And that's, that's the other part, too, is that we try to define to God how to bring the answer into our lives, how to bring that manifestation into our lives. God, if you'll do this, then, then I'll have what I'm asking for, and this is how you can do it. It's that allowing or disallowing. You know, I love this story about <clears throat> um, a couple different things. This way of grace, think about this, and I want you to remember this. The way of grace is as you go. Because you know, we're talking about goal setting, talking about moving our ideas forward, whatever it is that you want to see experience and happen in 2015, writing those goals down. I like to write down how much I want to give that year. Not how much I want to make, how much I want to give that year. So the way of grace happens as you go. Yes, grace is available to you, more than you will ever need. And you are doctrinally in the place of righteousness before God. But that becomes effectual in your life as you go. As you overcome that inertia, start taking steps. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. Day on Monday. I love what he says. You, know, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. But we're waiting to take the first step because we're praying from doubt, unbelief, fear. I don't know about that step. We not, you know the step. You do. It's just the degree of doubt that's hindering it, the degree of fear, the degree of confusion that we allow, because confusion is a choice. There should be no confusion when we're following God if we're following Him day by day. You know, the confusion comes in when we try to figure stuff out that, that we're not even ready to walk in yet. That's why we're confused, because we're not ready. Even though God's leading you to it. So, <clears throat> you think about Jesus healed some people. And he would say, okay, go do this. Go wash. Go tell the priest this. Go do the thing. And as they went, they were healed. I love that. It's like as they went to do what he said to go do, then they experienced their healing. You know, I, I love, too, the story of uh, Joshua and the priests. They've, they've, they're coming out of the desert, you know. Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. They wander in the desert for 40 years because they had doubt in their heart toward God. They weren't confident in their heart toward God is what it says. It says they limited God in their hearts. So they finally get to the place where this crew is going to go through. God splits another body of water. They go through and they're in the promised land. Joshua leads them through. Joshua is Moses' successor. So Joshua, I love this. And, you know, I, I would encourage you to go read this in, in Joshua 16, 17, really through the end of the book, just a few chapters. But they're in the promised land. 
they're in the place where God says, I will lead you to a land flowing of, with milk and honey. I will lead you to a place where you will live in homes that you did not build. I will lead you to a place where there is grapes so large you can't even carry them. You know, all the, all the stuff that God's saying, they're there. It's like where we are. We are in that place in the kingdom where the inheritance is under our feet. So what happens naturally, and especially the children of Manasseh, they come back to Moses and they're like, okay, there's giants over here. And Joshua's like, okay, yeah, well, basically he tells them if you go here and you will follow God and you'll, you'll take that land. They say, okay, well, we want this part of the land too, but there's a bunch of trees there. And he says, okay, we'll go cut those trees down. You can take that land. And it's like a third time they come back and they say, well, these giants over here, they've got iron chariots. So the enemy, they think that this enemy is stronger than anything that they can conquer. And Joshua, I love it. It's like the third time he steps back and he says, you will take the land. You will defeat the enemy. You will see everything that God promised you come to pass. You know, I mean, I could just imagine. They're like, okay. And they, and they go. So then as they go from that word, later on in Joshua, it says they experienced everything that God promised them. But it was as they went. Now watch. As they went, they had to follow God moment by moment, day by day. They would come back for counsel and they would say, we want all this land, but we're going to cut all these trees down and there's giants over there. And, and, and God would say, okay, now just take this part and leave, leave them there because what they're going to do is they're going to take care of that land for you so that when you're ready as a people to go take that part of the land, then we'll work together and take that part of the land. So then they cut the trees down, they take care of that part of the land, then they're ready to take this land, and they're like, okay, there's all these giants over there, what do we do? And, you know, I just, I love to really sit and visualize and try to imagine the moments when God did something like this. You know, just imagine this, they're sitting there, they're thinking, giants, this is our land, we trust God, we don't know, the promise is here, the inheritance. And all of a sudden, they're, they're, they've got their heart set on this new piece of land, and then, here come these hornets, the word says. And the hornets go into the land and drive out the enemy. And they just walk right in. Take the houses. Take the gardens. Take everything that God said you would have. Because they followed God and he worked with them. They didn't stand there and say, God, you do it all. Then I'll go when you say it's done. They, they, they moved because they were taking land as they were going, but it was working with him. It was moment by moment overcoming the fear, overcoming the last failure, overcoming the 40 years of wandering around. Some of you wandered for 40 years or less or more, whatever. The land is yours. It is your inheritance, that healing, that child, that blessing, whatever it is, they're yes and they're amen. And it's as we go, living this way of grace, yielded to his influence, yielded to his leading, in his strength, not in our own strength, 
but having the confidence toward Him that He's with us so that we'll act when we have those moments of inspiration. It's very, very subtle. You know, it's not like God was standing there going, take the giants now. I don't know that those hornets would have shown up had they not made a decision. You know? God said, okay, go do this. And they would go do it. They'd march around that city for seven times. You know, they would, they would go. They would be willing to go down into that valley and then all of a sudden God shows them there are way more angels here than you can even imagine exist and they're going to they're going to fight for you. All of heaven is designed to work with you as you make a decision and go. Amen. As you go, you experience the grace of God. As you go, you, what you're responsible for is to keep your heart confident toward Him. That might mean you, you need to deal with some issues in your life. But deal with them. You know what you, know you got to deal with. Just do it. Quit waiting for the booming voice. Quit waiting for the plan. Quit robbing, quit, quit allowing the confidence to be robbed from you because of how you feel in this moment. Get over it. God is for you. Take a step. Make a decision. Take a step. Yeah, but I don't know what step. Yeah, you do. You do. You know what step. Might be a very itty bitty teeny tiny little step. <laughs> a little bitty steps. Little bitty steps where you feel like this is not going to get me. It's going to take me forever to get there. Well, you know what? God is with you. God is increase. God can take that tiny itty bitty little bitty step. That's right. And watch Him work. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, but I've heard this story about this little kid that somehow wanders out on stage of the piano on, 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 a, on, a, on a, for a... Concert. Let me rewind and start over. <laughs> there's a concert. See, we got this concert. There's a piano. And, and the, there's like a concert for a master pianist. And this kid, before it starts, wanders out on stage, starts plinking on the piano. Is this true? Is it true? Yeah, it's called chopsticks. But I mean, is this story true? Yeah. Okay, good. You never know. That's a great illustration. So, oh my gosh, he's going to ruin. He's going to get it out of tune. He's going to get that kid off there. Get that kid. And the guy's like, no, just chill out. And he goes and sits next to the kid and just plays around what the kid's playing, this incredible masterpiece to a huge standing ovation at the end. And all this kid did was these little chopsticks. That's all God's asking you to do. Just play your little chopsticks. I mean, and what's, what, what's in your hands? You can do chopsticks. I know you can. You, you can do it. Just play your chopsticks. And stay confident toward Him. That's right. That's so good. Because when you are confident toward Him, it says it right here. It's in the Bible. Read it. When you're confident toward Him, you have what you ask for. Do you know why He's so confident? Because He's already given it to you. Yes. I had this picture 
<coughs> this morning for this illustration. Now, imagine you get a car. It's a clunker. I mean, it's like the tires are wobbling. You got the rope keeping the door closed. You got duct tape on the passenger window. And it's like, I got this car. Here we go. So you just start driving. You go to work. And that day you come off out of work and it's like, hey, look, there's a new window right here on the, my car. You can go do your next thing. You come back, you know, a week later. It's like, wait a minute. There's new tires on this car. What happened? And you're driving a little bit more. You keep going. And all of a sudden you don't hear that knocking in that engine anymore. And all you're doing is just going about your day, doing what you do, because you are who you are. And everything around you just starts changing. That car, just the next thing you know, you're driving this brand new car and you didn't do anything but just keep going. I think that's how it is walking with God. You know, you just walk. I'm not talking about he's going, so some of you are thinking, all right, now that's right, he's going to show up and give me some tires. <laughs> that's not the point. The point is you just go. You just start moving. And he is with you. He is for you. He has good plans to bring blessing into your life, not to harm you. But it's as you go. It's as you go. You got an area in your life you want to change? Anybody want to change any area in your life? Raise your hand. Wave at me if you've got something you want to change in your life. Just go. Just take a step. It's as you go. If you need direction on steps, you take a class. You read a book. You listen to something. You know, whatever it is. Something that's going to help you take those steps. You make yourself accountable to people. You come to church and say, hey, this is a step I want to take. Will you help me? Will you ask me next week how I'm doing? Here's my phone number. Call me. This is what I want to do. And, and, and we, you know, this is a, like a big support team. It's a family. <clears throat> because the nature of God is to be who he says he is. And when he is unhindered, who he is will be manifest in your life. You don't have to figure out how to get him to work. That's the nature of who he is. Where he has access, he will be that. When you move, you are putting yourself in a place to just trust and allow him to be who he is for you. Do you believe that? You believe that he wants to be there for you? You believe that he loves you? Do you feel that he loves you? You know, that's why I focus so much on this identity thing is so that when it comes to moments like this and we're challenged to actually move, we can believe. You know, it's easy for us to believe. Okay, I can take these steps because it doesn't matter if I fail. It doesn't matter if I take one step forward, three steps back. I'm moving and God's with me. Just keep moving. Yeah, I know you're stuck. Yeah, I know it hurts. Yeah, I know that last time you tried, it didn't work. Okay, you can use that as an excuse. Or you can believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name of God. He is your deliverer. And then go forward. I, you know, I, I just want to end with that. You, 
God expects you, God commands you to believe that He is who He says He is. God expects you to believe that He is what He has revealed Himself to be. There's like eight different homework assignments I want to throw at you right now. But <laughs> Read Joshua. But find a name. Find a list of the names of God. You know, it's easy to find one. I've got one on my website, forwardministries.org. And just read through that list. This is what I want to believe. I want to believe this is who God is. It's not about you learning, right? It's not about what you convince yourself to believe. It's about just believing the truth that He is who He is. Because when you believe, when you have that confidence, you have everything you ask for. And that's what Jesus said. All things are possible to those who believe. When you pray, if you believe, it shall come to pass. I will do it. The Father will do it. Man, we're just set up to experience it. Do you see that? Father, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to just trust you. We thank you for the opportunity to believe your word. God, help us let go of experience in life that negates your word and just have our mind and heart filled, filled with what you say is possible, with how you say life works, with how you say you want to interact with us, and help us let go of those judgments that we've placed on you because of circumstances. Now, mean that. Just, just open your heart to Him to work on you. To help establish your heart in His grace, in His peace, in His way of living. Where He's in you, influencing you, empowering you, strengthening you. And from this, just make the decision, I'll take a step. I will take a step. It's as I go that I will experience His grace and I will move. Amen.